Hello, and a very warm welcome to Take the Mic with me, Ketna Tanner. This is a podcast that welcomes you to share your story. Taking the mic today with me is Shaista Kurji, one of my dearest friends who I grew up with and have known for over 15 years. Following her study of psychology and then business management, Shaista qualified as an NLP practitioner and mindset coach and founded the company Compass Coaching Limited. Shaista, a very warm welcome to Take the Mic. Thanks, Katz. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. So we're talking today about that voice in your head. Mm-hmm. Can you hear that voice in your head right now? I can. Oh yeah? What's it saying? It's saying I've never had cats be this serious before. Hey, I'm a serious person, okay? I do serious, important things. <laughs> um, what else is it saying? It's saying, look at how far we've come. This is the girl that used to sit next to on the school bus and now we're recording a podcast together. <laughs> I know. Do you remember we used to think we were so cool having our cereal on the bus? I used to bring the cereal in this ice cream container, as you do, and you used to bring milk in a little thermos. How could I forget? (laughs) Oh, the good times, hey? Well, back to the topic for the day, that voice in your head. So could you please first tell us, how would you describe that voice in your head? What is it exactly? So I think I'd best describe that voice in my head as a running commentary, it's a little bit like a consistent series of thoughts and opinions on what's happening in our in our reality. We all have it, but the interesting thing I've learned over the years is that not everybody is actually consciously aware of this voice in their head and the impact that it has on their everyday lives. What's really important to understand, though, is that this voice in our head doesn't necessarily always tell us the truth. Our thoughts are, in fact, based on the experiences that we've had, and this voice is designed to keep us safe. In essence, the voice in our head is not who we really are. You know, sometimes we tend to believe everything that this voice says to us. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to separate from what your thoughts are saying. Exactly, but we aren't our thoughts. We're simply the observer of our thoughts. And it's really crucial to come to terms with that because the key to changing the way we feel about ourselves and the decisions that we make is in how we speak to ourselves and how that that voice is projected within us. That's so true. And I really like the way you've defined it. I think unless you've given this topic some consideration, you may not even realize that your thoughts are indeed the way you communicate with yourself. So I'm really interested to know, when did you first become aware of this inner voice? So here's what's interesting. And I'll give you some backstory to explain it a little bit better. I was quite badly bullied throughout my childhood. It started when I first started school, right up until the point that I was 16 years old. I was dealing with bullies day in, day out. And the reason was because I was actually born with an eye condition, which meant that I had to wear these glasses that made me look quite different to everyone else. And whilst they were, you know, tinted glasses with a really high number, they were quite ugly. (laughs) They They made me stick out like a sore thumb. Well, I don't think they were ugly. In fact, I even told you this at the time. I think you looked like a cool rock star retro chick. Actually, Shai, the way I've just described it probably does you a huge injustice. Um, but the point is, I don't think they were ugly. Oh, thanks, Kat. <laughs> um, but not everybody was as kind as you are. Not everybody knew me in the same way that you did. And so they made me different. And 
that was a really sort of huge focus point when it came to bullying. And so I got called things like matrix and consistently being called a blind bat. And even though people knew that I, I wasn't able to see properly, I would get asked stupid questions like, can't you see that? Are you blind? And I think over time, this obviously has like a really, it stays with you right? and it has an impact. But for some reason, I was always able to keep my chin up and I I would never let the taunting and all the rest of it cut to my core. I would get really upset about it. There was days where, you know, I would cry about it and I'd feel really low about it, but I would never let it sort of bring my spirit down. I know you used to talk to me about it at the time. And honestly, I didn't even really have to do anything to help you. You just seemed to pull yourself out of it. I see now talking to you that that strength came from your inner thoughts. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is actually that came to mind that we can both relate to, and I don't know how much of this you dealt with, but even being like a brown skin girl meant that we were also hairy. (laughs) (laughs) And so, of course, there's also a lot of teasing around being hairy, having hairy legs, having a you know, hairy upper lip. And as a 13, 14 year old back then, we weren't getting rid of it right away. Um, But yeah, definitely getting teased for it. Yeah, of course. So you were getting bullied mainly for your eye condition. Tell us about the role that your inner voice played at the time. So in hindsight, now when I think about it, and I used to keep journals at that time as well, by the way, so I've read back on it. And I know that some of the things that I would say to myself is that you know, there's nothing wrong with me. They just don't get it. They don't get me. They don't understand that I'm different. And then I would ask myself questions like, why are they being so mean? And then eventually, I think my tactic was to come up with, you know, telling myself that if I ignore them, it'll stop. I think at some point, I also became a little bit not angry about it, but frustrated about it. And so the voice in my head was telling me that if I don't give them the satisfaction of being provoked, then you know, that they won't bother anymore. So yeah, I feel like for me, it was constantly telling me to just keep being me and pay no no attention. Mm. And did you know at the time that this was your inner voice? No, I didn't. In fact, it was only when I was around 17 that I had my first encounter with a therapist. Um, my family was going through a tough patch and my mom was really... Um, adamant on putting mental health first and she knew that you know it was affecting us as kids and so she gave me the opportunity to speak to a therapist and that was the first time that somebody really pointed out and someone qualified pointed out to me that they thought that I was quite self-aware you know I asked her what does it mean to be self-aware I wasn't fully sure of what she meant by that and she went on to explain that I was quite intuitive and that I would pay close attention to what was going on within me and my feelings and what was happening in the world around me. And so it was only after that encounter with this therapist that I started using what I had learned to really pay attention to what was going on because the awareness was there, but I hadn't given much importance to it. And so it was then, I suppose, I started realizing that there is this voice in my head and how it speaks to me is important because that's navigating how I I behave in my life and how I deal with certain situations. Wow, that sounds really empowering actually. <laughs> um, but can you tell us a little bit about 
the process you went through of understanding your thoughts because I think it can get quite abstract so it would be good to know what it is that you did. Yeah I was a big journaler at the time and I noticed at that point in time my journaling started to change a little bit in that I started listening to my thoughts and I started writing down what I was thinking and feeling and that's What's really powerful about journaling is that when you do put it down on paper, it only heightens that awareness. And that was what was key for me. So really reading back what I was saying to myself is what solidified for me that I could change what was going on. I could change what some of those thoughts were to help empower me. And it's quite interesting how it happened because, of course, none of it was guided at the time, but it was a lot of self-exploration. So I want to just pause you there for a second. Someone listening to this conversation might think we're crazy talking about this inner voice, listening to our thoughts, writing them down. What do you have to say to the people who think we're crazy for even discussing this? Well, I'd tell them to take a minute and really think about whether that's the voice in their head saying that or whether they really do believe that we're crazy. (laughs) I love it. Should we just end the episode right there? (laughs) On a serious note, though, the reason I say this is because As human beings, our initial response to a lot of things, unless we've trained ourselves, is to judge. And so, you know, part of my journey with becoming aware of my thoughts is becoming aware of the judgments that I'm making. So, yes, if people were listening to this and started thinking to themselves, why are they talking about voices in their head? Are they crazy? That's a judgment in itself. And these judgments are based on our past experience. They're based on things that we believe. But it's really important to take a step back and understand, hold on a second. Am I judging this off of something that's false or is there some truth behind this? So what are some tangible steps that we can take to become consciously aware of our inner thoughts and their impact? Yeah, I mean, it's just that what you've said, you know, becoming consciously aware. We're often on autopilot without realizing it. As human beings, in order to make our lives easier for ourselves, we have adapted in a way that we run on autopilot a lot of the time. And so it is really about taking back that power and realizing that you have the ability to decide on what you say to yourself and how you choose to think and approach everyday life. So there's three things that I could recommend. And I would always say start small. So I'll talk a little bit about our everyday habits, firstly, and then first morning thoughts. And then the third thing I'll talk about is, you know, noticing how we speak to other people and how that can play a role in how we speak to ourselves. So firstly, everyday habits are a really, really great way to get some insight on how our behavior is stuck on autopilot and how we can actually change that. And the reason I'm explaining this actually is because if we prove to ourselves that we can change our behavior, we're proving to ourselves that we can use that exact same process to change our thoughts, right? So it's a very practical example that you can then use to to make it easier to know how to change your thoughts or to learn how to change your thoughts, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. That does make sense. Because the idea is that if we can learn how to change a habit, an everyday habit that is so ingrained in us, then we can apply that same pattern of behavior to change our thoughts, or at least learn how to control them. (laughs) So could you give us some examples of these everyday habits to focus on? Two examples. Most of us, especially in the winter here in London, 
we wear socks. I wear socks in the house all the time. And if I was to pay attention to when I put on my socks, it's very likely, and I've done this, I always put on my right sock first for some reason. (laughs) Another example is brushing your teeth. I will always reach for my toothbrush with my right hand without even thinking about it. But isn't the reason that you don't think about it because you are right-handed? So naturally, you would reach out for your toothbrush using your right hand. Otherwise, we could all potentially be ambidextrous, no? No, not necessarily ambidextrous. But yes, of course, we all have like a more dominant side. Some of us are ambidextrous. But for someone like you or me, where we would automatically go for something with our right hand because we are right-handed... What you're doing by consciously becoming aware and grabbing that toothbrush with your left hand and choosing to brush your teeth with your left hand, you're interrupting that pattern of being on autopilot. So when I first learned that you were going to be sharing this example on the podcast, I actually went and gave it a go. So I'm right-handed. And one morning I went to reach for my toothbrush with my left hand and I could do it. Whilst I couldn't brush my teeth using my left hand at all, I actually experienced what you're saying, which is we have the ability to stop this pattern of being on autopilot, think and make a decision which is different to what we would normally do. So yeah, no, I found it very interesting, uh, to be honest. Yes, initially, it feels like the most difficult thing to do. Like you said, you know, you try to brush with your left hand and you couldn't do it. But I guarantee you that if you practice this on a daily basis you would get better at it each and every day. Just like if you practiced as a right-handed person writing your name with your left hand every single day, you're going to see improvement over time, right? Okay, so it's about practicing this action of removing yourself from autopilot, which is going to help you to control your thoughts. Is that right? Yeah, this this habit or this trick is all about learning how to disrupt the pattern. So whether you're doing it with a physical habit or whether you're doing it with thoughts that you have in your head, this is such a useful tool because it teaches you that you can have control and you do have control of being able to disrupt a pattern that has been with you for years and years and years. Okay, so the first thing is to do something different to your everyday habit. And the two examples you've given are watching how you put your socks on and what hand you use to reach out for your toothbrush and then changing it. What about the second thing? The second thing was um, paying attention to the first thought that you have in the morning. So this is really key when it comes to the awareness piece, right? I used to suffer quite badly from anxiety. And when I learned this tool, I realized that when I was waking up, I wasn't instantly anxious. There was a couple of seconds between me waking up and me having my first thought. But you it's that's not usually something that you become that you're aware of already. Yeah, it's not easy. In fact, it's quite hard to do. I've practiced it. <laughs> um I'm not a morning person in the slightest. So in relation to my thoughts, there's usually one of two things that happens. Either I wake up and I feel like I have a hundred different thoughts in my head at once, or I wake up and I'm still so sleepy or so dazed out that I'm just incapable of thinking about anything. So my mind is just blank. But I have noticed that in both of those cases, there are a few seconds before that first thought comes into the mind. And that is this period that you're talking about where we have the ability to consciously become aware of that first thought. Yeah. And, you know, the more you do it, the more you'll realize, hold on a second, I'm not waking up with these thoughts. They are popping up into my head 
once I'm awake. And what's key here is that once you become aware of your thoughts, and actually what's key with all three of these is that this is going to give you what you need to then be able to change the thoughts that you're having. Because you can't change something unless you're aware that it needs to be changed, right? The second piece about becoming aware of your first morning thoughts is a lot to do as well with are those thoughts serving you? Are they healthy? Are they empowering? Or are they unhealthy? Are they quite negative thoughts? Are they, you know, disempowering thoughts? So just becoming aware of what's coming up. And then of course, the third bit is noticing how you speak to other people. Now, what I've learned over time is that how you speak to other people can be an indication of how you might be speaking to yourself. And I'm sure you've heard about, you know, the phrase, oh, he's projecting or she's projecting. So it can often be the case that when you're speaking to someone, that may well be how the voice in your head or your inner voice is speaking to you. So what I would recommend is that every time you're about to say something to someone, before it comes out of your mouth, get into the habit of asking yourself three really crucial questions. Is what I'm about to say true? Is what I'm about to say kind? And is what I'm about to say necessary? And when you get used to doing this with things that you're going to say to other people, it becomes a lot easier to apply this to how you're speaking to yourself. Okay, I absolutely love that. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? My only problem is general conversation moves so fast that if I was to do that, I would have to literally be like, okay, hold on a second. I need to ask myself these three questions and then I'll come back to you. Like, do you see what I mean? It just feels so inorganic and and tricky to do in a normal conversation. I think the idea here is realizing that you are currently in a place where you're so quick to respond and you're not taking that minute to think. And that in itself is really, really important to take into consideration because Ideally, when you are responding to someone, it's so important to take a minute to think because are you responding on autopilot and saying something that isn't necessarily true or that might hurt the other person? And what I've learned is that actually your brain works so much quicker than your mouth does. So if you do practice this in situations where you might not have to respond right away, but build the habit of becoming aware of these questions in your head as you speak then it, it definitely gets easier over time. Okay, yeah, I think I can do that. When I'm in situations where I don't necessarily need to respond right away, I will ask myself these three questions. I think we can do that. Um, could you please remind us why this is important in relation to our inner thoughts? The reason it's so important to start becoming aware of how you're speaking to others is because it's going to give you the tools that you need to become aware of how you're speaking to yourself. So we've practiced using the tools you gave us and we are now more aware of our thoughts. Now what? So now I would say it's really important to identify what that inner voice is saying to you. Um, how are you interacting with yourself? Become aware of whether that voice in your head is a healthy one. Is it empowering you or is it disempowering you, right? So a couple of things that you could do to become more aware is firstly, taking into account what loved ones, you know, your friends, your family are saying to you about the way in which you speak to yourself. 
So I'll give you an example. There's been so many scenarios in our friendship where, you know, you've been pursuing something in, in various different areas of your life. And I've said to you, Kets, you are putting so much pressure on yourself because you hold yourself to such a high standard. And you have these huge expectations of yourself. And I can often see where you're putting pressure on yourself. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, it was those conversations, as you know, um, that have made me realize that I do put a lot of pressure on myself. I am a firm believer in doing my best and setting high standards. But it was talking to you that made me realize the high standards became pressure to such an extent that it was harmful. And what I find really interesting is we had that conversation so organically. It was just, it was part of our friendship. And it was about noticing in the end that this is feedback on how I'm speaking to myself that I need to take on board. Yeah. So um, like you say, this can happen quite organically in friendships and, you know, close relationships. The key here is to be open to the type of feedback that you get and understand that that can be a window into understanding how you speak to yourself and how you process your thoughts. So the second way you can go about noticing what it is that you're saying to yourself is through reflection. I find reflection really, really useful and I tend to do it through journaling. I've been journaling for years and years and it's my way of better understanding what's going on in my head. There's a lot of different types of journaling methods, but a good brain dump where you just literally write down everything that's on your mind can be a really good way to take some of the irrational thoughts that you're thinking out of your head and onto paper so that you can begin to rationalize them. And, you know, reading that back can really create a lot of awareness of what's going on. The third way you can become more aware of your thoughts and in fact, train yourself to let go of thoughts that might not necessarily be helpful or healthy is meditation. So meditation really trains your brain to allow you to just notice, just notice what the thoughts are that are coming up to allow you to take away that judgment piece. So you're not judging your thoughts so much, but just allowing them to come and go and realizing that, yeah, you can, you can let your thoughts pass. It's, it doesn't have to be something that throws you off center. There is no wrong way of meditating, by the way. And I think this is a huge misconception. So going through guided meditations just helps give you some of the tools that would make it easier for you to focus on the task at hand. So in summary, meditation really gives you the tools that you need in order to, first of all, notice the thoughts that are coming into your head. And even more importantly, choose which ones you want to allow to pass and choose which ones you want to focus on. And this is really great for, for people who tend to ruminate on their thoughts. Shai, those are some wonderful tools. Thank you so much for sharing. I want to pick up your point about choosing which thoughts you want to let pass and which ones you want to let stay. As part of this evaluation, so to speak, can we identify our thoughts as positive or negative? So I really love this question because it allows me to clear up some of the misconception around positive thinking. Rather than positive self-talk, I'd say that healthy self-talk is what's really important to master. I say this because I don't necessarily believe that we should always have positive thoughts. At the end of the day, we're humans and we're going to have 
certain thoughts that aren't always pleasant, right? We're going to feel sad sometimes. We're going to feel anxious sometimes. We're going to feel annoyed or frustrated sometimes. And I think what's really important is to acknowledge that it's okay to feel these feelings. It's okay to have feelings that are negative. What's important is to not allow those emotions and feelings to take over. And so, yeah, I would say rather than, you know, having positive thoughts, I would probably describe it as having healthier thoughts. I couldn't agree more, Shai. Although I think the narrative is shifting, I think there is still this sentiment that unless we are positive all the time, there is something wrong. And I like that you're saying to get away from this concept of positive versus negative thoughts, because it is okay to have unpleasant thoughts and feelings. In my experience, I either just ride the wave and feel what I'm feeling and move on, or if that doesn't work, then I know, right, I need to dig a little deeper to see if there is a root or a trigger somewhere. So by doing that, the nature of the thought becomes insignificant. It's what I'm doing about it, and and, and that leads to this whole point that you're making about are your thoughts healthy? Are they empowering you? Are they hindering you? And that's what we need to find out. And I love that you, you know, you mentioned asking yourself, is there a reason? Because yes, a lot of the time, our thoughts and our feelings are coming from a place that we need to explore further. They're there for a reason, right? So understanding why they're there could really help us get past them. And I love this phrase of feel your feelings, right? Because feel your feelings, you're going to get past whatever it is a lot quicker than if you resist it. So yeah, this is this is really key. Could you perhaps give us an example where you have turned an unhealthy thought into a healthy one? Yeah, a really good example would probably be in my own business. So as a coach, a lot of my work involves putting myself out there on social media, for example, or, you know, doing workshops or podcasts or Um, showing up in my Facebook group. And I know that when I first started, and even sometimes now, I will have these thoughts where I would always think, what if I sound silly? What if I say something wrong? What if I get it wrong? What if nobody shows up to my life? There were some of these unhelpful thoughts. And for me, reframing those thoughts has been really helpful. So because I've practiced over and over again, becoming aware of the thoughts, I am then able to say to myself, okay, this isn't helping me. It's not serving me. I can reframe this thought so that it is something that's healthy and allows me to move forward in the right direction. And so some of the thoughts that I would then use as alternative thoughts would be things like, it's okay for me to show up as I am. It's okay to make mistakes. I'm human. You know, if anything, showing up as I am and showing up authentically is going to allow people to connect with me better. Making mistakes is going to show people that I'm not perfect. So it's okay for them not to be perfect. And I think really switching it up and, you know, changing how I was speaking to myself made me realize that it wasn't, it wasn't helping me. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. (laughs) So now when you show up, how do you do it? Yeah, so now when I feel nervous or afraid about showing up for my community, I can do it anyway. So I feel the fear and do it anyway, knowing that it's okay for me to show up imperfectly. Feeling scared and doing it anyway, showing up imperfectly. These are such powerful things that you did, Shai. And I want to know, how did you use your inner thoughts to be able to make this transition from an unhealthy thought process to such a healthy one resulting in something so beautiful? 
towards commitment and consistency. So it sounds like you're saying intention by commitment and action by consistency. Would that be accurate? Yes, for sure. So you're totally right in that, you know, you have to have the intention that you're going to commit to making a change. And this comes obviously after you've done the work to become aware and you're at the point where you realize something needs to be done because the way I'm I'm speaking to myself right now or that voice in my head right now is not empowering me. It's not serving me. So I am committing to do the work that I need to do in order to get to a better place, in order to start speaking to myself in a way that's going to serve me. And then of course, yes, taking action and taking action consistently. So doing the exercises that are going to help you change the way you think, you know, doing exercises like breaking the autopilot pattern, doing exercises like reflecting, and really doing that on a very consistent basis so that you get used to it, you build you build that muscle. So you are clearly a master at being able to control your thoughts, or at least being able to channel them in a way that helps you and doesn't harm you. Is it always smooth sailing? Do you still get days where you're not able to do this? Yes. Oh my gosh, definitely. I mean, like I said before, we're human, right? I'm human. So there, there is definitely times where I can see myself sort of slipping back into old habits and noticing unhelpful or an unhealthy thought cropping up. And in those moments, what I've learned to do is to forgive myself, first of all, for slipping. It's okay. I'm human. I'm not perfect. Forgive myself for having that unhealthy thought and then using the tools that I have under my belt to make sure that I'm working on it. Because every time it happens, every time a new thought comes up that, you know, rings that alarm bell that, oh, wait, hold on, we're going back to that old way of thinking. It gives you an opportunity to develop a new part of yourself, right? So using those tools to to make sure that I'm working on that part of myself that seems to need a little bit more love and attention. Some some TLC. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to briefly touch on your business, Compass Coaching Limited. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I work predominantly with driven and ambitious women who are feeling anxious, overwhelmed, stress, self-doubt, and want to start feeling more calm, more energized, have more confidence, and really start feeling more empowered about themselves. That is incredible. Ladies, if you would like to get in touch with Shyster, please have a look at our show notes for the ways in which you can do that. And lastly, any final thoughts, Coach? Yeah, actually, Kat, you know, I think it's so important to reiterate at this point that how we speak to ourselves has such a big impact on our lives as a whole. And so becoming aware of that and becoming aware of how we might be getting in our own way can really allow us to create space to change it and to start living with a more healthy inner voice. And that can really propel us forward. And having said that, it's also really important to acknowledge that if you are doing this work and you are sort of trying out some of the tools and the tips that I've spoken about, and you find that you are in a place where your self-talk isn't all that healthy, be kind to yourself. It's a process and you're human and there's no right or wrong to this. Just remember that it's important to start where you are, use what you have and you know, move forward every day and be kind to yourself in that process. 
Brilliant. Shyster, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Katz.